Uh, our scripture reading this evening is from the book of Isaiah, the book of Isaiah, chapter 28, and reading verses 1 to 19. Uh, this is Isaiah the prophet uh, uh, preaching, speaking in the name of the Lord uh, to a wayward people. The threat of Assyria was in the background, and yet, uh, rather than looking to the Lord, they were looking to Egypt. Uh, to be their rock, to be their source of security. And uh, Isaiah exposes this sin and points them uh, to Jesus, uh, the rock uh, of salvation. So uh, Isaiah 28, and from verse 1, let us hear the word of God. How the proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley of those overcome with wine. Behold, the Lord has one who is mighty and strong, like a storm of hail, a destroying tempest, like a storm of mighty overflowing waters. He casts down to the earth with his hand. The proud crown of the drunkards of Ephraim will be trodden underfoot, and the fading flower of its glorious beauty, which is on the head of the rich valley, will be like a first ripe fig before the summer. When someone sees it, he swallows it as soon as it is in his hand. In that day, the Lord of hosts will be a crown of glory, a diadem of beauty to the remnant of his people, and a spirit of justice to him who sits in judgment, and strength to those who turn back the battle at the gate. These also reel with wine and stagger with strong drink. The priest and the prophet reel with strong drink. They are swallowed by wine. They stagger with strong drink. They reel in vision. They stumble in giving judgment. For all tables are full of filthy vomit with no space left. To whom will he teach knowledge and to whom will he explain the message? Those who are weaned from the milk, those taken from the breast. For it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. For by people of strange lips and with a foreign tongue, the Lord will speak to this people to whom he has said, This is rest. Give rest to the weary, and this is repose. Yet they would not hear. And the word of the Lord will be to them, precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little, that they may go and fall backward and be broken and snared and taken. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Therefore, thus says the Lord God, 
Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not be in haste. And I will make justice the line and righteousness the plumb line. And hail will sweep away the refuge of lies. And waters will overwhelm the shelter. Then your covenant with death will be annulled. And your agreement with Sheol will not stand. When the overwhelming scourge passes through. And you will be beaten down by it. As often as it passes through it will take you. For morning by morning it will pass through. By day and by night. And it will be sheer terror to understand the message. Amen. So reads God's holy word. Well, our text this evening is, is found in the chapter which we read, or the portion of the chapter that we read from Isaiah 28, and it's verses 14 to 19. I've entitled this sermon, A Living Stone, A Living Stone. We're living at a time in the history of Western civilization when wickedness abounds. Some examples of that. The word of God is treated with contempt and considered out of date and irrelevant. Many have abandoned the practice of meeting to worship God on the first day of the week. A man and a woman decide to live together without giving any thought to marriage. A person of the male gender wants you and me to go along with his new identity as he now presents himself as a woman. Our Bible reading uh, was from the prophecy of Isaiah and at his time in history Things were not that much different. Isaiah began his prophetic ministry in the year that King Isaiah died. Uh, that's the year 740 BC. He continued throughout the reign of Hezekiah. He died in 687 BC and that's an extensive ministry of 53 years. 18 years after Isaiah began his prophetic ministry, the northern kingdom uh, fell to the Assyrians and the population of Israel was carried off into exile never to return. What would become of the southern kingdom of Judah? The threat from Assyria was always there but if they trusted in the Lord, if they placed their confidence on him uh, as their defense, then they would be protected. But if they looked elsewhere for their source of security, they would be defeated and destroyed. That was the clear message of Isaiah. And that's the background to our text in these verses 14 to 19. And here we see, first of all, the mentality of the scoffers. The mentality of the scoffers. Verses 14 and 15. Isaiah addresses them directly, beginning at verse 14. 
Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers. Who were these scoffers? Well, they're identified in the second half of the verse. Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers, who rule this people in Jerusalem. They were the forerunners of those who were in positions of influence and authority in the days of our Lord. Luke records their attitude to Jesus as he hung on the cross. Luke 23 and verse 35. And the people stood by watching, but the rulers scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, let him save himself. He is the Christ of God, if he is the Christ of God, the chosen one. The rulers scoffed at him. And essentially, that is what these men 700 years previously were doing. Ridiculing, mocking, scoffing God's holy, infallible word. And by doing so, they were scoffing at him, who is the living word, Jesus Christ himself. How were they doing that? Well, Isaiah informs us of the practice of faithful prophets. Verse 10, for it is precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Careful, well thought out instruction. Faithfully communicating God's word to the people in a systematic way. But the rulers of the people turned this system, this systematic and faithful teaching of God's word into a little jingle, which is found there in verse 13. And the word of God will be to them precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little, there a little. Uh, And Matthew Henry helps us to to determine what was going on. Uh, he, He writes, It would seem they ridiculed the prophet's teaching and bantered it. The word of the Lord was unto them, uh, writes Henry, uh, nothing but a rhyme. They made a song of the prophet's words and sang it when they were merry with their wine. And then Matthew Henry adds the solemn words, It is great impiety and a high affront to God thus to make a jest of sacred things, to speak of that vainly, which would make us serious. Isaiah's message to these scoffers in Judah and Jerusalem, and with all those who aligned themselves with them, was essentially what Jesus said to the scoffers of his day. Luke 13 and verse 3. No, I tell you, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. But the scoffers disagreed. Assyria threatened death and destruction. But they thought that they would be safe. And how come? How could that be? Verse 15. Because you have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with Sheol, we have made an agreement. As Alec Mateer has pointed out, Isaiah is not quoting their actual words, for who would boast that he had made a covenant with death? 
But essentially that is what they had done. They had sent envoys to Egypt and entered into a covenant with the Egyptians to provide their security. We read about that in chapter 30 in verses 1 and 2. Ah, stubborn children, declares the Lord, who carry out a plan, but not mine, and who make an alliance, but not of my spirit, that they may add sin to sin, who set out to go down to Egypt without asking for my direction, to take refuge in the protection of Pharaoh and to seek shelter in the shadow of Egypt. In doing so, they had made what amounted to a covenant with death. For in the day of trouble, Egypt would prove to be useless. Egypt would prove to be unreliable and completely futile. We can imagine the envoys returning from Egypt, waving a piece of paper and saying, Peace, peace in our time just as Neville Chamberlain had done after the Munich Agreement in in 1938. This agreement with Egypt made them brim with confidence. Middle of verse 15, when the overwhelming whip passes through, it will not come to us. The reference to the overwhelming whip is a metaphorical description of the Assyrian army. In plain speech they were saying, when, when the Assyrian army invades, it will not affect us, it will not touch us, it will not come near us. Why? End of verse 15. For we have made lies our refuge. Made lies our refuge. They were believing that their security lay in their covenant with Egypt rather than the covenant faithfulness of God Almighty. And that was a lie, an utter lie. And the lie was exposed in 586 BC when the Assyrian army not only inflicted a major defeat on Judah, but demolished the capital city, Jerusalem, and carried the the inhabitants into captivity. Fast forward 2,700 years And the majority of people in these islands have also made lies their refuge. In what way, you ask? Well, they've made the big lie of evolution their refuge. And in that way, they believe that they will escape the judgment of Almighty God. It will not come to us. The judgment of God will not come near us, they think. Evolutionary theory convinces them that God did not create them. And they have swallowed the lie that they are mere products of the time-chance evolutionary process. That they're nothing but a body without a soul. And the deduction they make is that since God did not make me, I am not accountable to him. I can ridicule him. I can scoff him. I can pour scorn on his son and on his word with impunity. Judgment, they say, will not come to us, just as the scoffers in Isaiah's day were saying. 
Well, these scoffers in Isaiah's time would not have the last word. Neither will the scoffers in our day, as our, as our text will remind us later on. But now let us think about the provision of the Lord for the scoffers. Verse 16. The rulers in Jerusalem took refuge in what were nothing but lies. But God in his mercy and in his grace has provided a secure place of refuge. Verse 16. Therefore thus says the Lord God, Behold, I am the one who is laid as a foundation in Zion, a stone, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone of a sure foundation. And it's, it's worth noting that this text is, is picked up and used several times in the New Testament by Jesus himself as he challenged the rulers in Jerusalem in Matthew 21 and verse 42. And by Paul uh, in the book of Romans when referring to unbelieving Jews, Romans 9 verse 33. And by Peter after the day of Pentecost when preaching to the Sanhedrin, Acts 4 verse 11. And later by Peter when writing to the scattered believers in his first letter, 1 Peter 2, verses 4 to 8. And in all four cases, uh, the stone is seen as a clear and direct reference uh, to Jesus Christ. He, Jesus Christ, is the tested stone. He is the precious cornerstone. He is the sure foundation, the, the sure foundation of Zion, of the church. On Jesus Christ, on him alone, we can build our lives. In Jesus, through faith in him, we have a place of refuge, a place of safety and eternal security. But the enemy we face is not the Assyrians with their mighty army, but Satan, the devil, with all his deceitful schemes, the devil with all his pernicious lies, Satan, Satan approaches people in disguise, presenting himself as an angel of light. Whereas in fact he is the prince of darkness. Our Lord exposed him for what he was and described him as a murderer from the beginning. And does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, for he is a liar and the father of lies, John eight forty four. And the devil, uh, he may disseminate his lies through a teacher in your school or through a professor in your university or through a wildlife guru on your television screens or simply through a person in your neighborhood, all seeking to convince you that you have no soul that you're nothing more than water and a bunch of chemical elements. Well, the devil's not stupid. He knows that it is a lie. But he wants God's image bears to end up in hell. He wants them to suffer eternally because he hates God. And as a consequence, he hates God's image bearers. Jesus described him well when he called him a thief. John 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal 
and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So don't permit Satan to rob you of life, which is life indeed. You have an immortal soul, which will end up either in heaven or in hell. Is your trust in Jesus Christ? If not, put your trust on him. Put your trust on the rock, the sure foundation, the tried and tested cornerstone. Place your trust in Jesus Christ and you will have in him a sure refuge from all the storms of life. A place of eternal security from the judgment that awaits the ungodly. That's the assurance that we are given in the last line of of verse 16. Whoever believes will not be in haste. These final two words mean shall not panic. Whoever believes uh, will not panic. Shall never be put to shame. Will never be disappointed. Note how Peter uses the text in, in 1 Peter 2, 6 and 7. Uh, For it stands in scripture, Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone, a cornerstone, chosen and precious, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. That is on the day of judgment. So the honour is for you who believe. The honour of being welcomed to heaven. It belongs to those who believe in the rock. They have placed their trust in Jesus Christ. The honour The glorious honour of spending eternity with Christ in glory. That only belongs to those who in this life have placed their trust in him. So what will it be for you? It is becoming increasingly popular to believe the lie of evolutionary theory and to dismiss God. And to write God out of the script and to disregard his word And to deny the voice of conscience. But friends, God will not be written off. And conscience will not be silenced. So make sure that you're numbered among those who believe the truth. And bow the knee to King Jesus. In Jesus Christ you will have a sure refuge. For time and throughout all eternity. The mentality of the scoffers, the provision of the Lord for the scoffers. And now, thirdly and finally, the judgment of the scoffers, verses 17 to 19. The judgment of the scoffers. Judgment day will catch up with the scoffers. Justice and righteousness will be the standard by which men, all men, will be judged. And a holy God A thrice holy God will not and cannot acquit the scoffers who die in unbelief. A holy God will not admit into his heaven those who are not clothed with the righteousness of his own dear son. He will say to the evolutionists and all who deny his creation, you thought your lives would be a sure refuge. A sure foundation against future judgment. But the Lord says, verse 17, Hail 
will sweep away the refuge of lies, and waters will overwhelm the shelter. As Matthew Henry comments, those who make lies their refuge and build upon the sand, the building will fall when the storm comes and bury the builder in its ruins. Those who make anything their hiding place but Christ shall find that the waters will overflow it. So God is saying, if you think your covenant with death and your agreement with Sheol will save you, think again, for they will not. Verse 18, then your covenant with death will be annulled. And your agreement with Sheol will not stand. Their signed agreements would prove meaningless. The wickedness of the northern kingdom brought the judgment of God through the Assyrians. That same judgment would inevitably catch up with Judah and Jerusalem and its inhabitants. Their boast of immunity would be exposed as hollow and empty. And so will it be for those who think that they can evade the righteous judgment of Almighty God. Sixty years ago, approximately, my father was in conversation with a notorious, godless neighbouring farmer. And to my father, this, this neighbour said, and he, he understood my, my father's uh, Christian commitment, he said, Sam, when I die, I'm going to be cremated and my ashes will be scattered to the four winds. You see, that man denied the reality of the soul. He postulated, he postulated that even God could not get hold of him if his, his body was cremated and his ashes scattered. But on death, he was in for a shock. And on resurrection day, he would be in for an even greater shock as Almighty God would gather up his ashes and recreate his body to spend eternity in hell. No one, be he a, a prince in a palace or be he a lord in a manor, no one, absolutely no one can outwit the Lord our God. Verse 18 when the overwhelming scourge passes through, you will be beaten down by it. No one will escape the judgment. Death is a grim reaper. Death catches up with men and women, young people and children, sooner or later. Verse 19, as often as it passes through, it will take you for morning by morning, it will pass through by day and by night. For those who understood the message and rejected Christ, it will be sheer terror. Sheer terror. Alec Mateer comments, they mocked a message of rest and by doing so embraced a message of terror. And we can observe the same terror uh, vividly described for us at the coming of the Lord in Revelation 6, verses 15 to 17. 
Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? Filled with terror at the coming of the Lord. Now no one denies that death is an enemy. It is the enemy that we all must face sooner or later if the Lord tarries. But for the believer, for the man, woman, young person and child trusting in the Lord, there will be no sheer terror as he or she faces death. For we have in the Good Shepherd one who is with us as the last enemy approaches. As the psalmist testified, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Remember, rather than terror, there is peace, perfect peace, for the follower of Jesus Christ. We are reminded of this by Isaiah in chapter 26 and verse 3. You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts, he trusts in you. Isaiah's message to everyone in the dark days through which we are living is crystallized in the next verse of Isaiah 26. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Yes, it could be said that we are living in dark days. Many lies are being proclaimed and propagated, all of which are being orchestrated by Satan in opposition to King Jesus and his kingdom. Friends, never, never be hoodwinked by the devil. Don't be taken in by his deceitful schemes. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord God is an everlasting rock. Amen. Let us call upon God in prayer. Let us pray. Lord our God, we we call upon you and we we do thank you for uh, the challenge of your word and for the warnings of your word. Uh, There are many things in this world upon which people are putting their trust but they will prove to be hollow and empty when the day of reckoning comes. And grant our Father that that we may uh, recognize in Jesus Christ the rock upon whom we can depend, the one uh, who is able to save to the uttermost all those that uh, call upon him, uh, all those who who place their, their confidence in him for this life and for the life to come. And so, our Father, we we do pray for any in the meeting this evening who as yet has not trusted in the Lord, who is placing their trust and confidence in lies which will prove hollow and empty uh, in the day of judgment. Grant, our Father, that you will save all such uh, and bring them to a true and proper understanding of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen.